Chapter Fifty Five of *The Man in the Iron Mask* by Alexander Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Last Adieu. Raoul uttered a cry and affectionately embraced Porthos. Aramis and Athos embraced like old men, and this embrace itself being a question for Aramis, he immediately said, "My friend." we have not long to remain with you ah said the comte only time to tell you of my good fortune interrupted porthos ah said raoul athos looked silently at aramis whose sombre air had already appeared to him very little in harmony with the good news porthos hinted what is the good fortune that has happened to you let us hear it said raoul with a smile the king has made me a duke said the worthy porthos with an air of mystery in the ear of the young man a duke by brevet but the asides of porthos were always loud enough to be heard by everybody his murmurs were in the diapason of ordinary roaring athos heard him and uttered an exclamation which made aramis start the latter took athos by the arm and after having asked porthos's permission to say a word to his friend in private my dear athos he began you see me overwhelmed with grief and trouble with grief and trouble my dear friend cried the comte oh what in two words i have conspired against the king that conspiracy has failed and at this moment i am doubtless pursued you are pursued a conspiracy hey my friend what do you tell me the saddest truth i am entirely ruined well but porthos this title of duke what does all that mean that is the subject of my severest pain that is the deepest of my wounds i have believing in infallible success drawn porthos into my conspiracy he threw himself into it as you know he would do with all his strength without knowing what he was about and now he is as much compromised as myself as completely ruined as i am good god and athos turned towards porthos who was smiling complacently i must make you acquainted with the whole listen to me continued aramis and he related the history as we know it athos during the recital several times felt the sweat break from his forehead it was a great idea said he but a great error for which i am punished athos therefore i will not tell you my entire thought tell it nevertheless it is a crime a capital crime i know it is lese majeste porthos poor porthos what would you advise me to do success as i have told you was certain monsieur fouquet is an honest man and i a fool 
for having so ill judged him said aramis oh the wisdom of man oh millstone that grinds the world and which is one day stopped by a grain of sand which has fallen no one knows how between its wheels say by a diamond aramis but the thing is done how do you think of acting i am taking away porthos the king will never believe that that worthy man has acted innocently he can never believe that porthos has thought he was serving the king whilst acting as he has done his head would pay my fault it shall not must not be so you are taking him away whither to belle-isle at first that is an impregnable place of refuge then i have the sea and a vessel to pass over into england where i have many relations you in england yes or else in spain where i have still more but our excellent porthos you ruin him for the king will confiscate all his property all is provided for i know how when once in spain to reconcile myself with louis the fourteenth and restore porthos to favor you have credit seemingly aramis said athos with a discreet air much and at the service of my friends these words were accompanied by a warm pressure of the hand thank you replied the comte and while we are on this head said aramis you are also a malcontent you also raoul have griefs to lay to the king follow our example pass over into belle-isle then we shall see i guarantee upon my honor that in a month there will be war between france and spain on the subject of this son of louis the thirteenth who is an infante likewise and whom france detains inhumanly now as louis the fourteenth would have no inclination for a war on that subject i will answer for an arrangement the result of which must bring greatness to porthos and to me and a duchy in france to you who are already a grandee of spain will you join us no for my part i prefer having something to reproach the king with it is a pride natural to my race to pretend to a superiority over royal races doing what you propose i should become the obliged of the king i should certainly be the gainer on that ground but i should be the loser in my conscience no thank you then give me two things athos your absolution oh i give it to you if you really wish to avenge the weak and oppressed against the oppressor that is sufficient for me said aramis with a blush which was lost in the obscurity of the night and now give me your two best horses to gain the second post as i have been refused any under the pretext of the duc de beaufort being travelling in this country you shall have the two best horses aramis and again i recommend poor porthos strongly to your care oh i have no fear on that score 
one word more do you think i am maneuvering for him as i ought the evil being committed yes for the king would not pardon him and you have whatever may be said always a supporter in monsieur fouquet who will not abandon you he being himself compromised notwithstanding his heroic action you are right and that is why instead of gaining the sea at once which would proclaim my fear and guilt that is why i remain upon french ground but belle-isle will be for me whatever ground i wish it to be english spanish or roman all will depend with me on the standard i shall think proper to unfurl how so it was i who fortified belle-isle and so long as i defend it nobody can take belle-isle from me and then as you have just now said monsieur fouquet is there belle-isle will not be attacked without the signature of monsieur fouquet that is true nevertheless be prudent the king is both cunning and strong aramis smiled i again recommend porthos to you repeated the count with a sort of cold persistence whatever becomes of me count replied aramis in the same tone our brother porthos will fare as i do or better athos bowed whilst pressing the hand of aramis and turned to embrace porthos with emotion i was born lucky was i not murmured the latter transported with happiness as he folded his cloak round him come my dear friend said aramis raoul had gone out to give orders for the saddling of the horses the group was already divided athos saw his two friends on the point of departure and something like a mist passed before his eyes and weighed upon his heart it is strange thought he whence comes the inclination i feel to embrace porthos once more at that moment porthos turned round and he came toward his old friend with open arms this last endearment was tender as in youth as in times when hearts were warm life happy and then porthos mounted his horse aramis came back once more to throw his arms around the neck of athos the latter watched them along the high road elongated by the shade in their white cloaks like phantoms they seemed to enlarge on their departure from the earth and it was not in the mist but in the declivity of the ground that they disappeared at the end of the perspective both seemed to have given a spring with their feet which made them vanish as if evaporated into cloudland then athos with a very heavy heart turned toward the house saying to bragelonne raoul i don't know what it is that has just told me that i have seen those two for the last time it does not astonish me monsieur that you should have such a thought replied the young man for i have at this moment the same and think also that i shall never see messieurs de vallon and d'herblay again oh you replied the count you speak like a man rendered sad by a different cause you see everything in black you are young and if you chance never to see these old friends again it will be because they no longer exist in the world in which you have yet many years to pass 
but I... Raoul shook his head sadly, and leaned upon the shoulder of the Count, without either of them finding another word in their hearts, which were ready to overflow. All at once a noise of horses and voices from the extremity of the road to Blois attracted their attention that way. Flambeau-bearers shook their torches merrily among the trees of their route, and turned round from time to time to avoid distancing the horsemen who followed them. These flames, this noise, this dust of a dozen richly caparisoned horses, formed a strange contrast in the middle of the night with the melancholy and almost funereal disappearance of the two shadows of Aramis and Porthos. Athos went toward the house, but he had hardly reached the parterre when the entrance gate appeared in a blaze. All the flambeaux stopped and appeared to inflame the road. A cry was heard of, Monsieur le Duc de Beaufort, and Athos sprang toward the door of his house. But the Duke had already alighted from his horse, and was looking around him. "'I am here, Monseigneur,' said Athos. "'Ah, good evening, dear Count,' said the Prince, with that frank cordiality which won him so many hearts. "'Is it too late for a friend?' "'Ah, my dear Prince, come in,' said the Count." and Monsieur de Beaufort leaning on the arm of Athos. They entered the house, followed by Raoul, who walked respectfully and modestly among the officers of the prince, with several of whom he was acquainted. End of chapter 55 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia